Welcome to Decision Space, the only show to take place right here in the space between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Jake Friedman. And I'm Brendan Hansen. And this is the podcast about decisions in games. And this is our 2023 holiday gift episode in which we will do what we did last year, which is make recommendations about games you might give as gifts while caveating that maybe you shouldn't do it at all. That's that's exactly right. That's the, the premise here. We're doing it different in the sense that we asked people to give us a, uh, a a person, describe a person to us who you might be giving a gift to this year. And we're going to try and answer those questions and possibly uh, that will reflect people in your own life. And this will be helpful to you. Or even you might find some games that you yourself would be interested in trying. And I will say, Jake, as you know, kicking off these prompts, it's been really fun because I too have kind of imagined people in my life who are like, oh, this person kind of falls into this category. So it was fun thinking of what games I might recommend and we'll also sort of try to stomach like would i recommend this game to this person really right exactly in terms of a gift yeah last last caveat oh. i want to say like this is definitely not 2023 games right oh, this is no. all games included any game that we might suggest is a good gift for this holiday season so long as pursuant with that idea it should it has to be purchasable yeah i had a, Outside I, did of a, eBay. I did a little googling around yeah and was like, oh, three hundred and fifty-six dollars for Dwellings of Eldervale. I am not going to recommend that. Let's one. not do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or like, I could really recommend some out of print Canizia games, but I won't do that because why would I? You know, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not okay. So these okay. games should be available to purchase before we give our thoughts on other people's words. Should we give our thoughts on other people's words by reading out a review on the show? Great segue. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we got a new review very kindly sent in on Apple Podcasts by Sapien. And the review is titled, Get Ready to Go Down a Rabbit Hole, a five-star review. And Sapien said, are you mad about mechanisms? Would you love to know the difference between input and output randomness? Did you always feel like Reiner Knizia deserved his own theme song? Then this podcast is for you. After listening to your first episode, I guarantee you will go on a download downloading spree through their back catalog. Dang, that made me want to listen to Decision Space. <laughs> also, just like <laughs> this is the nerdiest show of all time. <laughs> just like, would you love to know the difference between input and output randomness? <laughs> It's like, I guess that is what we do here. I am mad about mechanisms. <laughs> Thank you so much for that review, Sapien. That was given on November 15th, which, you know, that's right now. This is what I'm thankful for. Reviews like this. Heck yeah. Okay, let's get into the main topic. And I want to start out with a little discussion question. Brendan, what game do you think will be the hot game, the it game? this holiday season. I think last year, for me, I can pretty definitively say that that game was Ark Nova. Mm, and my evidence yeah. is that I was given that game by two brother-in-laws. So I was given that game by one friend, <laughs> <laughs> which is really sweet. No, I think, Jake, it's so interesting. So this is kind of inverting our question, right? Because our episode is almost, what games might someone who's has a collection of games by someone who doesn't have as many games as them. Mm -hmm. And then the, this prompt is sort of like, what game might people who have a lot of games be excited about receiving yeah. if they don't have that game? Uh, I think the hot game this, this is year, like the game that the gamers are putting on their list for somebody for else. For someone else, exactly. I think either you're just doing like the biggest brain pun of all time, or this is the year, 2023, that it works out well. I think the hot game this year is going to be Heat, the racing game by the people who did, you know, Flamme Rouge, the other racing game. It's all about hand management and racing around corners, hoping you don't overload your engine by pushing your luck. I, I think Heat's the one. What, what about you? What's the yeah. hot game this year? Heat is the one that jumps immediately to mind for me as well. I think it's a great game. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about it in all corners of the board game sphere. I yeah. think it can be difficult to get. So, you know, again, caveat included, I wouldn't rush out and pay double what, you know, MSRP is for Heat. But I think it's a, yeah, it's definitely feels like the game that's going to be the biggest, hottest game this holiday season. And that's what we're all about on Decision Space. Since we're, yeah, since we're doing this, 
What about Ticket to Ride Legacy? I don't know that Ticket to Ride Legacy. It's so lukewarm right now. Yeah, I th- I think Legacy itself as a mechanism is just something that is no longer like the the bell of the ball. Yeah, I think a lot of people have purchased and not finished Legacy games at this for point. sure. You know, so like the allure of like this is a game you're definitely going to get a group of people to play with you seventeen times is like it turns out. Maybe you won't. <laughs> so I, I think this is a, I, I've heard good things about it in our discord, uh, but it, a game for legacy enthusiasts and ticket to ride enthusiasts. And, you know, maybe that Venn diagram doesn't, I don't think it's going to eclipse heat. Another game that is pretty great that is getting some buzz right now too is, is apiary. Fire mm. games. I've seen that a lot in our discord, people kind of receiving that now. I think, that was kind of well well timed as well for for a good holiday spree. I, again, I don't think it will. I don't think it's eclipsing heat for me and just kind of like buzz. But you know, buzz. Speaking of buzz, maybe maybe a B game will, will be hot on its tail. Wow, I'm doing accidental puns and I can't stop. I'm oh, you can't stop, huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you thought you could sneak that one past me. Hey, this is Jake from The Edit, just jumping in to remind listeners and disclose to new listeners that I'm fortunate to call Jamie at Stonemeyer Games a friend, so this is in no way a paid advertisement, but we do strive for transparency uh, and to let our listeners know of our positive and negative biases where they may exist. Okay, back to the episode. You know, beyond that, Jake, it's so interesting because in previous years, I feel like there'd be maybe even like a somewhat lighter game that was jumping to the top. Like in, an Azul. I remember one year yeah. I feel like the hot game was Azul. Right, exactly. People were like, and get this game and play it with your family at Christmas. And no one was ever more right. Yeah. That, that would be a good fit. That was a great recommendation at the time. I was, I was looking at some of the other big 2022 releases because I feel like sometimes, you know, Ark Nova technically came out in 2021. It was big last that's, year. That's the other thing with like Ticket to Ride Legacy. And maybe it's too new. Two, too new. Yeah. But Jake... I don't know that like, you know, another big game from last year that neither of us have played, Frosthaven. You can't buy someone Frosthaven no. as a gift. Only if, they, only if you know they love Gloomhaven and somehow don't already own Frosthaven. Right, which there's like six people. Like <laughs> yeah. the chances that somebody who's listening to this show knows someone in that spot, it's just so unlikely. So I don't know. I think it's just he. But if you know that person, what a slam dunk recommendation oh, by us. Anyway, one other caveat about this topic, Jake, that I think is important at the start, and I, I really want your legitimate thoughts on this. I think that it's if you can nail finding the right game to give someone as a gift, which is tough, it has to be a good fit. It can't you know, push them too far. It has to be really, you got to thread the needle, but it's almost always kinder to give the game and the teach of the game rather than just the game by itself. What do you think? And it's an offer, right? You're not forcing them open the game right now, sit them down. I'm going to play this game with you. It's a, it's like the game with a card in it that says, if you want me to teach you how to play this game at a future game night, I would love to do that. I'd be honored to. Definitely. I think that's the exact right way to handle this situation of giving a game as a gift. We've talked about this before, but us as hobby board gamers, uh, we love games and therefore we think these are great things that other people might like too. Uh, And also we have a good knowledge base for it. So it's kind of a a space where you can theoretically pick a game for almost anyone in your life. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we can find the right age, you know, we can fight the right theme for whatever they're interested in. So it seems like something I've certainly been there where I'm just like, I want to give a game to everyone on my list. Um, But not everybody thinks about games in the same way that you and I do. So that's not always wise. And I think sitting saying, here's a game, let's play it now. You know, that that can almost be like giving somebody tickets to a show they weren't really planning on or (laughs) something. It's like, okay, well, now you have to get like a babysitter or whatever. You know what I mean? You don't want to assume somebody's time too much with your gift. Mm -hmm. So I think give a game as a gift with the intention that if asked, you should be willing to like drop anything and play it right now. You know, I wouldn't want to give a game to somebody as a gift. And then they said, great, let's play it right now. And I said, no, thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the mindset we want to be at. Be willing and eager and ready to teach, but don't like assume that, you know, all of a sudden your Christmas morning is going to be filled with playing board games uh, with your son who's home from college or whatever. Totally. Don't be the person who says, I know you're a Lord of the Rings fan, so I bought you War of the Ring, but I'll never play it with you, despite the fact you've never played a board game before. Right. Right. 
don't yes. don't be cast out to sea like that. That advice only goes for hobbyists. You know, yeah. if you're somebody who's listening to this episode because you're a mother and you're you know your son's into board games and you you found this because you thought oh i looked up holiday gifts and what are board gamers saying are good gifts that does not apply to you you don't have to you don't have to follow that advice that's for the real nerds uh that listen to this show every week and thank goodness for you saying that jake also i feel like if you're in that seat almost any of the games we mentioned today would probably be games that are good would make good gifts so if one sounds interesting just, yeah, that's good. It's good. And the true gift that you can give a, the board gamer in your life is like willingness and eagerness to get excited to play a game with them. Totally. Yeah. So that's that's really all we want on the board gamer side of things. So with that set aside, Brendan, let's jump in to our main topic and answer some of these questions. Do you want to read out the first one? Yeah, let's so do it's it. kind okay. of like what are these? Like these are almost like little case studies or like not a case study, like an example. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hmm. It's a little prompt. A li- yeah, I mean it's a prompt. It's a case study. It's a I don't yeah, I think those two things capture it well. Okay, friend has two kids. I think 8 and 5 years old. Recently got into playing miniatures. They play a large variety painting of board miniatures. games. Miniatures. Oh, painting miniatures, not just into them, into painting them too. That's really cute. They play a large variety of board games from Dune Imperium to Gizmos. That's a wow. They have a modest collection that includes Mice and Mystics. I feel like this is like, this one feels like it was like written perfectly to prompt because there's so many things we could glom onto. Also for listeners, know that both Jake and I have laid out our recommendations, but blanked them out from one another. So it's kind of like a surprise reveal. My recommendation for this one is I kind of have two here and I really tried to keep these just to one, but... This one has a caveat. So the first recommendation I have is Mansions of Madness Second Edition. So this is a great, you know, cooperative adventure style game, but it does have a horror theme, which might be a bit much to, for a five-year-old. I think that you know it, it, it could be played in a way that's that's more fun and fanciful. You know, we've talked about getting scared in games. And I don't think that's something that games really deliver well. So I wouldn't really worry about uh, a game like this being too scary for a five-year-old that's willing to play. But clearly, I'm not a parent. <laughs> so maybe I'm just way off base here. And and parents may think that this is just way too much for a five and eight-year-old. So my second recommendation would be uh, the Warhammer Underworld series, which is also a very violent game game system, but it doesn't have like the over like story element to where like you're reading something that might be you know gruesome or violent. It's more of just like purely uh, a strategy game. Uh, and so Warhammer Underworlds, I think that would be a better recommendation for. Uh, a kid that was like really into magic the gathering you know Mm. so maybe more for the eight-year-old than the five-year-old but i think these are both just like really fun games spanning different sides of the board game hobby and both have miniatures that are i think you could get a lot of mileage out of just having the miniatures included in the box to paint so those are my recommendations lovely my recommendation jake is marvel united a 2020 cooperative game by Eric Lang, that is, I think, almost perfect for this situation because it's cooperative. So the five-year-old can come along for the ride, but participate as much as they are able to. Uh, still feel like they are playing the game with their family members. It also comes with a slew of miniatures in this sort of chibi Marvel style. I don't think most Marvel things are chibi, but it's a chibi style of Marvel characters. And I know that this is something that people really enjoy painting. The miniatures are are sort of cute and fanciful and also just detailed enough that I I don't paint miniatures, but I imagine if your eight-year-old was getting into painting miniatures, these might be fun ones to paint with them. And the other nice thing about this, besides it being a co-op that's sort of scalable, uh, is that if the three of you or the three of the people you were buying this gift for really got into it, they could get even more into it because there's just tons of boxes of Marvel United characters and I think different villains that you can add to expand the game. This isn't one I've played, but it's one I've seen uh, people who have kids love and enjoy playing with them. That, uh, so yeah, that's a great recommendation Sweet. and it's way better than mine, which has like sculptures of like people like Chainsaws? beheading each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, like, and now I'm painting the little skulls everywhere <laughs> that are like littering the ground. Well, you know, 
and the blood spatter. So cute. <laughs> so I think that's a great recommendation, Brendan. And I think it's much better than mine. So I think I'll switch my vote over to you for that category. Uh, but maybe, you know, if you find yourself in that enjoying painting and, and have a slightly older age group, um, then, then I think you could do much worse than my my recommendations, which are, are game systems that I can vouch for, as well as I've played both and enjoy them quite a lot. I think that there's probably also an eight-year-old out there who's really into spooky games or like spooky things. That was, who would talked, adore. That, that was that was like when I was getting into magic and like the edgy art was totally like part of An the appeal, appeal especially yeah. the magic cards at that time with some like pretty dark and <laughs> yeah, for you know, sure. dark and gruesome stuff. All right, I'll read the next one. So my brother plays a lot of Catan with his friends. He enjoys most of my games, but does not have a collection himself. He's 24 and moves around pretty frequently, so probably doesn't want anything too big. What else can I give him that he and his friends will enjoy? Okay, should I go first this time? Yeah, you go first, because I read <sighs> Okay, I, th- I have two games I want to re- recommend to this brother who plays a ton of Catan with his friends and doesn't want a game that's too big. Number one, The Resistance. The Resistance just packs so many fun memories into a small box. And I think if I was 24 and moving around a ton and didn't want a big box, it would be on my list of games. I would just, it's not going away from my collection. And The Resistance is a social deduction style game like Werewolf or Mafia, uh, something that a lot of people are already familiar with. So I think that goes a long way too to being something that you can it's very approachable. Introduce new people to. Yeah. Yep. Okay. My number two is modern art. Modern art is an auction game in which you are bidding on different paintings throughout these sort of five different rounds. I think it's a push in terms of the the complexity of a game. So your brother would have to be game for learning a rule set and teaching his friends. But there's something about the objective of a game just being the player with the most money at the end that I think really resonates people whether with people, whether or not they've played a, games a lot or a little. And auctions as a core mechanism, while they can be a little punishing, makes sense to people who haven't played a lot of games. You can say, oh, we're just doing an auction. And people know what auctions are. Modern art's also fun. It has a dramatic reveal. And it creates a table presence unlike many other games. Uh, so again, my two recommendations, modern art. If you think your brother wants something a little thinkier, maybe a little a little longer, or the resistance if you think that he'd be into something really social and bombastic and something you could play two or three times in a night if a group liked it. Awesome. Great recommendations. For me, I'm going to suggest Raiders of the North Sea. Nice. This is a game I personally love giving as a gift because uh, it's it's a, a game that people can kind of get into and start having fun with right away from their first play. The mechanism of being a worker placement game where you're going to place one worker and pick up another worker is it like immediately puts the fun decisions right in front of you in that like it, the game tells you I have to make a strategic choice and then I also have to plan for what my next choice is going to be on a future turn. Um, so I think that makes it a game that's really... Uh, it, it makes the fun decision space of it really approachable. Uh, and I think the theme is something that's also attention grabbing. You've got a board that shows areas sprawled out to the north as you go raiding. You're going further afield, uh, trying to get into tougher and tougher buildings. And there is a slight element of rolling dice when you're doing that raiding action, which might not add a lot to the decision space, but it adds a ton to the exciting stand-up moments that this game can offer. Uh, So I don't think it's the best game in the world, but I do think it might be the best game for transitioning somebody away from Catan to a more modern kind of worker placement style of Euro game. This is like brilliant, Jake, because I gave two answers that were like totally not what you just did, which is if someone likes Catan and they want to play another Euro game, Raiders of the North Sea might be the best next step possible. You know, this like strategic, it's just the it's the bumping mechanism of I take the worker, but then I get the worker. There's a little bit of the interaction, right? They'll still feel like they're interacting with each other by blocking. There's even a little bit of take that with some of the Vikings you can discard Mm -hmm. in the town center space or whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, and I, I've just found like, you know, I have plenty of anecdotes in my life of introducing it to people and then they're like, I just, you know, it goes over really well, it goes over well, especially with people that are kind of like coming into the hobby and maybe not quite as experienced. I find that it's a game that those people end up often picking up. 
It's also one that would be really fun to play with someone who is likes games and wants to play more and learn more. Uh, the bumping mechanism of the workers is one that I know if I hadn't played a lot of games before, I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. I need to see how this plays out. Yeah, if you are interested in picking this one up, I think it's definitely still available, but there's a new Viking edition of the game, which I think is like the target version that maybe doesn't have all the wooden components Mm. that the original game has. So that might make it cheaper, but I would just be aware of of that. And I might be misstating that, but be aware that there's two versions, same game, but I think one is effectively like a more premium version. Interesting. Which is not necessarily that Viking version, right, Jake? Just to be super yeah, clear. Yeah, right. Okay, awesome. So the next prompt is, one of my siblings hasn't played a real board game since we were kids together. Uh, said sibling has three adult children and a spouse who see each other often. They travel a lot too. What's something portable, easy entry, and family-friendly for a non-board game family? Mm, so I guess that's me first. So the the game I want to recommend to this family is a card game called Spicy. Okay. If you haven't heard of Spicy, it is a game that borrows a lot from the game I learned uh, growing up called Bullshit. Mm. Uh, I think maybe families just call it BS, where you play with a standard deck of cards uh, and when it's your turn, you have to essentially play the next value higher. So, Brent, if you play a two to me, that means I have to play a three. Mm. And I can play any number of threes as I want from my hand. But you play everything face down. And if anybody says BS or bullshit, then the cards are revealed. If what you said was true, then they have to take the whole pile. If what you said was wrong, you have to take the whole pile and you would play until one person runs out of cards to win the game. That's a it's a really fun game especially for families, but it has a lot of inherent problems with the design, namely that it can just drag on forever because in order to actually win the game, since everybody will always call BS on you when it's your last card, things just have to happen to line up perfectly so that you happen to have the exact card you need when it's your turn to go. Not great. So Spicy uses this exact same game design where you'll be playing cards face down, uh, upping the ante each time, but it just goes a certain number of rounds and you're actually trying to collect piles for points and then the mm. game will end once kind of the end card has been drawn out of the deck keeping it a really nice manageable 15 minute runtime or whatever and the other slight twist is instead of just values on cards there are three types of pepper so i think there's like wasabis black peppers and chili peppers so when you play a card you have to say nine of chilies and when your opponent calls BS on you, they have to say whether you're lying about the number mm. or the suit, which makes it as so there's actually a decision, an extra decision on both sides. So you could play the perfect card if you had it, or you could try and play on suit or on you know value. Mm. Uh, so it and just sneak makes it through. It just ups the. I mean, it's still a very kind of lucky, fun, random, fast playing family game, but I think it just takes that bs formula and just improves it in every way uh and in doing so still keeps everything that makes it fun approachable and familiar to a non-gaming family nice that's awesome so my recommendation jake is also a card game because i think card games make really nice entry points and it's sushi go sushi go is just a light drafting card game in which you are having a hand of cards that you're taking one card from and passing all of those cards to one of your neighbors at the table you're going to be trying to collect cards of similar types uh, because you might need two of a kind or three of a kind to get them to pay off or maybe you want the most of a certain kind and you get a certain number of points in that round Uh, it's it's light it's really adorable it's easy to learn and play and it's something that you can jump in and out of games of easily so if someone in this group of five maybe wants to play one game but doesn't want to stick around for the full suite they could just bow out of the next game and because it scales so nicely everyone who's still there could keep playing i think sushi go is also just like funny at times you can really make decisions that burn you in a way that you feel like you earned your loss or also make decisions where you feel like you really earned your win in a way that's pleasant and fun i think especially maybe for folks who haven't played a ton of games lately but would like uh, to get into them a little bit more yeah it's a great recommendation i was recently talking to a colleague who said that uh, her and her husband had been recently playing sushi go 
uh, with, I think, their daughter kind of every night. And I, th- I think the daughter's like something like five years old. Uh, so it's been kind of a fun way. They're gamers. So it's been a fun way to kind of teach strategies and sort of like, you know, kind of like the kid is just having fun playing the game and but not winning, really. So they're kind of slowly starting to kind of be like, well, why did you make that decision you know versus yeah. other decision type of thing so i think it's nice uh, a nice game for that that can kind of just be like a silly fun time um but also as we explored in our episode on it for people who are gamers there's plenty there to kind of like dig your teeth into and, and try and like you know have a fun strategic time too totally sushi go is a game we have an episode on we spend an hour talking about it but also is a game that i have family friends who when they first learned that i had a podcast podcast about board games with jake they said oh like board games like sushi go so and i said yeah exactly just like that uh where you know not Catan or ticket to ride was their entry or pandemic but it was sushi go yeah i think out of the our two recommendations which i think are both great recommendations for the prompt one thing maybe just to be aware of i think sushi go is the one that looks more like a board game mm. so if somebody's like really adverse to like playing a hobby board game for whatever reason i mean both of these are you know very feather weight and light yeah i think sushi go looks a little bit less like numbers on cards classic you know, card game yeah. than than spicy so you know i know your audience i think both these are great recommendations but i think if like you're the people that you're looking to really like see themselves as non-gamers then spicy would be a better recommendation no offense but i'm gonna pick myself on that one so that's one to one no i hear you i hear you i think we've done what isn't that oh wait it is that's only two wow we're amazing no we've no, done three. three we've done three but the other was a tie it was a tie okay it was a tie. yeah yeah okay tiebreaker my wife a teacher three kids uh, had her mother pass away this year lots of change but an incredibly generous spirit is looking to act as a surrogate for her cousin. Lots of two-player card games, but also loves terraforming Mars and Antiplano. Antiplano, I don't know. Uh, so this person enjoys big, heavy, long games mixed with lighter fare and games with smaller footprint. So kind of all over the place. Brendan, what did you put for this prompt? Okay, I have three games to recommend this time, Jake, wow. which might be cheating, but there's there's a lot. We'll let the listeners decide. It's a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot in this prompt. Okay, so I think Cascadia would be a really good fit. Cascadia is sort of a medium weight tile placement game in which you are uh, drafting two things at once from this shared tableau that's either you're drafting animal tiles that are paired with a train tile. So you're always having to make these interesting decisions around Uh, a concession somewhere. You're probably never going to get the perfect match. So you're always trying to navigate this tough puzzle. Uh, I think it's really approachable. I've played it with my dad, who I would say uh, in the last 30 years has played approximately probably five board games all with me, uh, and then maybe six. And he he enjoyed it. It was not difficult for him to get up to speed. And it's also something my wife and I have played a hundred times. I think Another thing is My City is another game I'd like to recommend potentially to this individual, especially if they wanted a game to play with this cousin over and over again. My City is a polyomino lane game. Polyominoes, of course, are kind of like Tetronomos from Tetris, uh, in which you are playing them to a shared board. You can play My City either as a single sitting game with its eternal game, or you could play it over and over again in a, a legacy game version where every time you play, uh, there are slightly different rules as prescribed by this little booklet that are easy to digest. Uh, but it kind of, and you collect sort of different things throughout these 24 plays of the game. They each take maybe around 20 minutes. Uh, so you could play two or three times in a sitting. Uh, and then at the end of it, there's a shared winner, but really the winner is anyone who played the game together because it's a really memorable, fun game experience. Uh, that I think could work well in that context. And then my final recommendation would just be The Fox in the Forest, this two-player only trick-taking game uh, in which you are trying to play cards in three different suits uh, where the odd cards have these special powers that are dynamic and fun. But the twist of the game is you either want to win, you basically, whenever you look at your hand, you have to decide, could I win, am I going to win lots of tricks or do I want to win no tricks? Uh, because if you win no tricks, that means your opponent won all the tricks, which makes them greedy, so they can't score any points. And if you don't manage to win no tricks at all, 
then you probably messed up because your opponent probably has nailed the sweet spot where they're scoring seven or eight tricks and doing really well. So it's just a fun, light card game uh, that's dynamic and sort of wistful. And I think anyone who grew up playing any card games at all can get into it fairly quickly. What's your recommendation, Jake, for this? Yeah. I, I, had, I had a hard weekends. time with this. I was going to yeah. recommend a couple of different things, maybe a long game, which mm. I might have put uh, a feast for Odin as Whoa. like kind of like an epic kind of engine builder, which I was getting a lot out of uh, sort of terraforming Mars and Antiplano mm. or kind of engine building elements, but also kind of like thematic and exploratory. So I think that one, I was a two player card game that feels like a quick playing card game. It feels like a heavy game. I was going to pick Rift Force. Mm. The, the game I want to recommend is actually Planet Unknown. What's Planet Unknown, Jake? So Planet Unknown is a uh, polyomino placing game uh, where you are filling up a planet every time you place a tile you'll move up on two of five different tracks corresponding with the resources printed on that tile um, and that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg because Planet Unknown has just all kinds of insane things that happen as you start adding in asymmetric player boards asymmetric tracks asymmetric goals, buildings you're trying to fill up, etc. cetera. Uh, so I think there's just, there's something about Plan Unknown. We've been playing it a lot lately. I think it's really fun at two players, just quick playing back and forth, very tactical. There's a ton to dig into in terms of uh, just the, the amount of content. Uh, we've been playing on Board Game Arena, so there's a lot of content there. I don't know if all of it is included in the base box of the game or not. I think maybe some of that stuff on Board Game Arena is Kickstarter stuff, but but who knows? But I've just been having a super fun time, Brendan, playing that game with you. And I think somebody who likes kind of something that feels like you're kind of building something up, there's a good sense of kind of uh, completionism that happens in a game of Planet Unknown. Mm-hmm. Where you pull up your board. Uh, somebody likes a quick playing game. I think it it can kind of fit into all that category. So that's my sort of one recommendation uh, that sort of encompasses a lot of what I'm hearing in this comment. And I think it might be a big hit with this person. Dang it! I messed up my own rule after recording this episode. I looked up Planet Unknown and it is currently out of print. So unfortunately, it might be quite difficult to track down this holiday season. I think Planet Unknown is wonderful. Uh, We're definitely going to cover it on a future show. I'm not going to give you the win on this. I think it's a tie again. But I will say Planet Unknown is a great recommendation. And whether you're going to go... I think polyominoes are just approachable. They're kind of like cards in their own way, just culturally with the footprint that they have as a game playing piece, mostly thanks to Tetris. And I think you couldn't go wrong with Planet Unknown or My City or Cascadia or the Fox in the Forest. I think Planet Unknown is also just a game that... Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yes, your games are really good too. Cascadia, I think, I'll say Cascadia and Planet Unknown both are games I think fall into a category that probably has a lot of universal appeal. Yeah. I think Cascadia is a game that you could probably slot into many of these prompts. And I think the same might be true of Planet Unknown. And it kind of is the same thing as like the Raiders of the North Sea. Like they just hit you, it hits you over the head with what's fun about it from like the first turn. Yep. I will say if you're buying a game for someone who you think will be turned off by tracks, Planet Unknown wouldn't be a good hit, but Terraforming Mars, Track City. So yeah, yeah. This I, I really, I really in. zeroed in on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a good, that's a good, yeah, jumping off point. Okay, wait, you, did you read the last prompt yes. or did I? Okay, so my turn. So this one is for a college student, a daughter, who wants a game that is fun, easy to teach, and not too serious, and is not threatening for non-hobby gamers. QR is a plus, and they also said that their recommendation is Go Nuts for Donuts, uh, which is kind of nice to give us a little jumping off point. And Go Nuts for Donuts is sort of like Sushi Go Plus, I believe. Uh, It's not quite the same, but it's another set collection card game where you're trying to collect different types of donuts that have these sort of different scoring conditions so my recommendation for this one is can't stop Mm. it doesn't necessarily have like the cutest art but what it is is like a very fun game that i think would get a lot of mileage that i think i would have got a lot of mileage out of as a college student 
you know, I don't know anything about this person's daughter and, and I'll, I'll just assume that they are only spending time studying and going to classes. But when I wanted to appeal to my less motivated friends and get them to play a game in college, playing something that could be quickly pivoted into a drinking game <laughs> was a, a good way to sell that experience. <laughs> and I think Can't Stop is kind of like a so perfect like when you bust, drinking is that game. The game. Yeah, you bust, yeah. take a drink. Okay. Okay. Or, or, you know, whatever, get to the top of a track, give out a drink or, maybe, you know, maybe <laughs> give out drinks equal to the number of uh, that you got to the top of the track of like Can't Stop is a perfect drinking game. And I think the other thing that it is, is incredibly, it's fun, incredibly easy to teach. And I think not not threatening to non-hobby gamers, right? Totally. You, you look at this board, it's like we're we're basically playing Yahtzee here, but it's fun. Nice. Okay, I have two again, because apparently I can't just recommend one game, which is ironic given that the first name of my game is Just One. Okay, so Just One doesn't really have QR. It's a great it's a, recommendation. It's yeah. a charming little box that you could pull out with anyone, not threatening to non-hobby gamers at all, and it's a word game in which one person uh, is the guesser and they know nothing. And everyone else is the are the clue givers, and they all have a word that they're trying to get the clue guesser to guess. So let's say it's pomegranate. Everyone at the table would have to write just one word that will make the guesser think of pomegranate when they read all the words at the table. But if you give the same clue as someone else, well, then those cancel themselves out. Uh, so then the guesser is left with only the uncanceled out words. Uh, that were written by just one person. Just One's a really fun game because the score doesn't matter. It creates memorable moments. It's funny. It makes you feel connected with the group you're playing with. Uh, and you can play it for as little or as long as you want. Can I give a quick can't stop anecdote to talk about why it's like just such an incredible game? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, so I recently at work, I uh, went to a convening as a presenter presenting on what else like why it's important to play games at work mm -hmm. and because i'm such a genius uh, i took my one hour slot and i presented for 30 minutes and for the remainder of the 30 minutes with a captive audience i uh, broke them into five different groups and taught them all how to play can or uh, uh just one just one did i say why you did before yeah i meant yeah. to say just one so i okay. taught them all how to play just one uh, i was wondering why you give me such an incredulous look <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I was here for it. I wanted to hear how great Can't Stop was. But. Yeah, just one. Yeah, so I, taught, I broke them into groups and taught them all how to play just one. So people okay. who did not know each other, people who are not hobby board gamers, and just like to a T, every single person had Loved it. the yeah. best time playing just one. So many people are like, I'm buying this for my family like right now. At the end of one of the sessions I did, uh, I, I, you know, everybody's just like, feverishly playing this game and i have like a couple minutes before you know the session oversized like stand up like excuse me like i just wanted to say you know thanks so much for coming to my session and some some person stands up in the back of the room a gentleman who i was kind of looking at him as i was speaking i was like i'm not winning this guy over like he does yeah. not think we should be playing more games at work <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was you know my big thesis and and that guy yells over me is like we're kind of busy here <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. So yeah, I think I think Just One is a, a great recommendation for this person and probably for, you know, any person that likes word games, any person uh, that, you know, is just looking for like a fun social activity, uh, especially in the non-gamer variety. My 2024 resolution is getting a game played at work like Jake. That's the greatest. Can I give one more rec quick yeah, recommendation yeah, for this, do. Jake? Okay, so I think Just One is on the most approachable end of the spectrum. You could buy that game for your daughter. They could, She could have it in her college dorm room and pull it out at any point in time, or even if it wasn't a dorm room, and just know that it would hit. But if she had a group of people who were... Really game, drunk? No, okay. Well, not that far. But Game Inclined, <laughs> play can't stop for that one. But if you're Game Inclined, maybe a Game Inclined group of people who could jump in and out. I'm just thinking of like the vibe when I was in college where there, I think this game would have gone over really well if it caught the right group, like, you know, a sail to the wind uh, at the right angle. And that's Challengers. 
Challengers does have cute art. De- cute might be in the eye of the beholder, but it's charming. It's fun. It's light. It's approachable and it's simple. It's built on this, on the core mechanism is kind of war. And you're just drafting a set of cards. You're, you could play with a large group, a small group, meaning if your daughter got a couple people into challengers, it could be really fun. But it could also turn into something where if she had the potential to play with eight people, she could still play with them. Uh, so I think challengers is sort of a push game. But I think when I was growing up and in college, you know, a lot of us were playing Super Smash Brothers. Challengers is like Super Smash Brothers on paper. It's just yeah. it's excellent. It's great. Right. I I would be hesitant based on what we know from this prompt to recommend challengers to this person just because I think it I don't think it passes not threatening to non-hobby gamers. You don't think so? It's so close. Isn't I, it so it, close? It's close, but like you still have to do like a t- 15 or 20 minute rules teach and like Jake, there you is taught it to of, me being like oh it's war just like a oh, five minute uh, teach yeah, just yeah, get it, it done all eight of us played it it was great just for me i feel like it it possibly is slightly but i love recommending challengers to people listening to this i think if you have somebody in your life who's like you know in the high school to college age that you know likes playing games then i think challengers is like you know especially if they're in a place like you know, a high school club or, or college where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, peers around. I mean, I, I with you 100%, like I would have loved to have act challengers in, in college, but I'm also like, would, you know, went to like a Friday, Friday night magics in college. Totally. totally, totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, fair, well, fair. Okay, let's jump to the next one. I have a friend who's looking for games that illustrate mathematical concepts or can help with preserving cognitive cognition in people where it's fading or illuminate disability issues or help extend our imagination to show us how other people are different. Okay. I that there's a lot in this prompt and what I a think great you, prompt. it's a great prompt and no one game could ever sort of meet all of these different criteria. I don't think except for uh, mine. But oh, yeah, go gosh. ahead. I'm just kidding. Oh, here we go. Mine. So the first game I'm going to recommend is set set is a cl- set. I it's sort of a pattern recognition game uh, played in real time uh, that came out in the 80s that is just a favorite of my family, of my wife's family and her uh, camp friend group that she's been friends with since she was a teenager. Uh, so for going on you know, 25 plus years now. And the way it works is there's a deck of cards that show these different patterns in one of three different colors. Uh, and also they can come in different values. And you lay out a grid of them on the table and everyone at the table is trying to identify a set three cards that match in in different ways. They might all be the same color. They may all be the same shape of the same number, or they might be one of the same color, but also, you know, one of that shape and then two of that shape and then three of that shape. Uh, Set really pushes your brain and I think is a nice puzzle to wrap your head around that ends up being communal in a way it helps you show how people can see things differently, the same thing, while also probably preserving cognition. I'm not a, neuro- uh, a neurologist, but I imagine this playing this game is good for your brain. Yeah. So I, I was doing a lot of research about that for the same presentation. And I think, I, I don't think there's like clear information about like what type of game is good for learning, but rather mm. like there is fairly convincing compelling evidence that like engaging in play is it's good for your brain so i think the thing that i would say is you know finding the game that somebody enjoys playing is like willing to play especially as they're aging is that's what i would want to aim for but yeah I, i think those are great recommendations those are making me think of other games that i didn't initially consider mm. like a game like anomia maybe where mm. you, the game where you're like flipping up cards and like yelling out a shared trait between them yeah. or spot it where you're just trying to spot the matching icon on cards stuff like that could be really good just for for quick to learn and i think because you mentioned it last time uh for a game that shows how other people are different just one is great for yeah. that it's amazing it to see how different people interpret clues and come up with great clues that you just yourself never had even thought of I also think we already talked about it just the last prompt, but can't stop could work really well for this person. If it, you, you're doing this sort of light math, it plays off Yahtzee, like you said, you're rolling dice. And I think it's it's encouraging you 
to just engage with these sort of like mental arithmetic faculties that would get you, I don't yeah. know, it's like doing some reps, of, doing some pushups for your brain. Yeah. And you're, you're basically making the case for me for mine, which is claim it. Great. A cousin to can't, can't stop. stop. With a spatial element. It has a really good spatial element. So I think, you know, the it basically is like, how do grids work the game? Or how do <laughs> correspondence work? But it's, you know, very simple game where you're trying to roll dice, see where the correspondence align on a grid and you can claim that space and you're trying to have the most space claimed at the end. If you ever roll and can't make a placement, uh, then you bust. And that's basically as simple as the game is. It's, it's a it's a really fun game. I like it personally a bit more than Can't Stop, um, but it's playing in that exact same decision space. I don't know that it meets our requirement of being available not on eBay, but it is available all over the place used for like as cheap as $10. Nice. So you can definitely get this one readily and I, I highly recommend it. But what a great prompt. And I think I think all of these that we've mentioned uh, are, are potentials to consider uh, for people in your life. Awesome. Okay, the next prompt. Jake, I'm Is realizing it? we might have to start zipping just so we can recommend to all these people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we have all a lot. I, okay. I'm That's sure all right. Because we, we rambled for like 10 minutes. We're going to like cut that. Okay. Okay. But not all of it, right? Some of it was pretty good. Okay. We'll keep some of it. Okay, well, okay. we're going to put this all in video for our patrons and they'll see it all they'll see it all nice okay <laughs> great i'm always on the lookout for all ages games that will work for ages 5 to 105 years old and up so jake what would you recommend for an all ages game the game i included to recommend is draftosaurus and i was thinking about that sushi go example that that i, I that anecdote i mentioned earlier about my colleague feeling like sushi go is strategically just out of reach for their five-year-old. Mm. Uh, and I think that Draftosaurus is in such a similar space, but is just easier and also maybe perhaps a little bit more fun for young people as well, because it has it is a drafting game, but instead of drafting cards, you're drafting dinosaur-shaped meeples, and then each turn putting one out onto your board. So it has that same exact structure of drafting, then making, then revealing some information to your opponents. Uh, you're trying to collect, you know, maybe same dinosaurs to go in one pen and different dinosaurs to go in another uh the concepts are dead simple and uh i think that it is a game that is simple enough for a five-year-old and even if they're not fully getting it strategically they'll probably have a good time just grabbing dinosaurs and putting them out on their board and fun enough that you can play it as an adult nice and my recommendation is a dexterity game that my nearly two and a half year old but not quite two and a half year old not even, he's like two and a quarter, has been playing a little bit. And by playing, I mean interacting with the core function, which is good enough for a two and a half year old, We like a five-year-old, easy. And it's Coconuts. Coconuts is a game in which you have these little, this is a toy game, basically. It, you have these little plastic monkeys that you're using to flick coconuts into these little uh, cups that are laid out on the table in front of all of you. Coconuts is hilarious. And I think games that are just funny work well for all ages. And also, I think it's something, no matter what your sort of hand dexterity is, like most people, I think even as you get older, could probably manage the coconuts. And it's kind of about flicking the monkeys to throw the coconuts. And it's all about zany fun in a way that it's just like, you're just there to laugh. Uh, so that's my recommendation. Nice. That's a great one. Um, okay, let's move right along. So this is a not serious one. So it says not being serious. Uh, in parentheses. So I have these friends who insist that they hate board games, but I know that's just because they haven't been introduced to the right games by someone like me who is clearly not a nerd. What would you suggest? Wingspan? Question mark? Okay, Jake, let's do it on three, okay? One, okay. two, three, none. none of them. <laughs> Don't get them a game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate this question being asked because I think this is a thought that's certainly gone through my head and I imagine it has for many of our listeners as well of like, yeah, this person doesn't really not like games because games are so awesome. How is that even possible? But if, if you have somebody who's told you, especially if they've told you repeatedly that games aren't really for them, uh, then you should probably believe them 
<laughs> not yeah. not waste your money uh, in their time and effort having them pretend to thank you for something that they're never going to use. And this is a follow-up from that same person, I believe, saying, being serious this time, I'm not sure uh, for what recommendation request is Dixit the answer to. So this is like a Jeopardy-style inversion. But I'd like to hear more of those recommendations, if that makes any sense. It does. So basically, the prompt is, does. if you... Oh, Jake's in. What is Mysterium? Great. And my recommendation for someone who likes Dixit is I think you should just play Celebrity. Mm, that's good, too. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was leaning more into the art. And I do want to say, if you like Dixit, Mysterium is a great game of interpreting art on cards. And, and there's a, a new smaller, a newer, smaller box version called Mysterium Park, which is essentially the same game with a little bit of a simpler setup. And it is probably the recommendation I would give here unless you really want like the big the the thematic components offered in the the base game totally and celebrity is a folk game you could just google celebrity people also call it times up there's also a boxed version called monikers that you could just look up the rules it's super fun it basically you have a set of things you're trying to get your team to guess uh the first round you can say anything except for what's written on it the second round you can only say one word and the third round you can only gesture it's a blast and it honestly blows most games you can buy out of the water yeah absolutely i have a friend who likes to play the same old classics all the time it's very hard to get them to break out of their rut puerto rico alhambra ticket to ride robo rally power grid etc almost anything from 1999 to 2012 seems great what is a more modern game than that i might get them uh, that they would still like Okay, Jake, I will say I, I snuck a look at your answer and I almost gave that answer. Uh, but my recommendations are either Renature, a tiling area control game by Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kiesling uh, that feels like a classic Euro. Babylonia, a tiling game by Rainer Canizia that feels like a classic Euro, but came out just recently that I adore. Or if you want to push them, uh, the classic with a modern flair. You could also consider Zuvatis, a beautiful recently released game that was first published in the early 2000s and I think might be a real home run for them if they're into sort of this classic lighter fare that fills a full evening. I think the combination or the, the sort of connecting factors between a lot of these are the fact that they're a little bit lighter, but they have that full game experience. And Zuvatis really fill, ticks that box too. Yeah, I, I love this prompt too, because I feel like uh, a lot of us in this hobby probably have somebody in our extended game yeah. groups that fits this category. So I feel like this is like your secret Santa gift advice nice. if, if you've got that person. And so I co-sign all of those, Brendan. I think those are all great recommendation for games that that uh, for many of us, like the gamer in their life would be excited to open any of those on, on, on as a gift. Uh, and my recommendation, I think, is a no-brainer here. Yeah. Uh, it's Findorf. So Findorf is uh, a Freedom and Frisa game design of Power Grid fame referenced here. Uh, and I think it might be an easy transition in that it looks just like Power Grid. And it has the same kind of Power Grid style economy uh, of resources, uh, a resource economy. And I think it also does a great job of introducing some more modern feel in that it has a really quick micro turn system uh, where you're just doing one quick action and things just whip around the table. So it feels like it has just a faster tempo, I think, than a lot of those other games listed. And yet it still looks and feels like a, a very classic design from a classic game designer. It's, it's one I really like and I think has kind of been passed over by the board game hive mind. So I'm excited to give it a, a little more attention on this podcast. And it's not too long, too. No, it's like an hour with like five people. Yep. But when you look at it, it's hard to believe because it looks like one of these old games that you think like that's probably two hours. Yep. All right. Next. My brother-in-law. All right. It's your turn to read it. Oh, is it? No, I think it's yours. Okay. My brother-in-law. Is it? Well, you answered the last one first, so I was oh, like okay. deducing backwards. <sighs> My brother-in-law doesn't... <laughs> Sorry, okay. My brother-in-law doesn't have a large game collection, but has enjoyed every hobby game I've showed him. We've given games to each other in the past, and the biggest hit for him so far has been Cascadia. He's more likely to get lighter games tabled. 
He's a fan of nature themes and also plays Dungeons and Dragons. His partner is not too into games, but she likes word guessing games like Codenames and Concept. What's a good game for him and a game that the two of them would like to play together? My recommendation for him and this couple is Paperback. It's mm. a uh, it's a deck building game that uses it's like a deck builder slash word game. So you're building a personal deck of cards by buying letters, and then on each turn you'll be creating a word with the letters in your hand uh, to earn money, buy more valuable letters, and ultimately earn achievements that will score you end game victory points. I think. It, it sounds like this the the partner of the brother-in-law in this prompt is is really only into word games uh, and kind of that type of vibe. Uh, so I wouldn't want to stray too far out of their comfort zone. You know, I fear that you know giving this gift, we don't want that then assuming the time of somebody else that might not be as excited about it. Uh, so I think like going for a word game. This isn't a guessing game, but you know, is going to be something that is familiar enough to maybe make that person excited. And I think it has also fun kind of gamer elements as well of deck building that, you know, a gaming person, uh, somebody who's maybe getting more excited about games will find a lot of uh, interest in and enjoyment in. So that's my recommendation. Paperback. I think paperback is perfect because you covered one part of the spectrum and I'm going to cover the sort of continuation off of Cascadia in which this brother-in-law could play with their partner, but maybe only if they were feeling so inclined, which is the Isle of Cats. The Isle of Cats is another polyominal lane game that's also a, a light drafting game. It's just a little bit of a step up from Cascadia, but I think a fun game that is really engaging, it rewards repeat plays, and seems to me just based on what I hear about this brother-in-law that he would really dig. Awesome. Next one, 12 and 14-year-old nieces, their sisters, like to play Dixit Gem Dealer, a random Kinesia game that this person gave them in Catan with two of their friends, and sometimes just with themselves. I was thinking of maybe Splendor or Azul as they work from two to four, but wonder if something lighter might be better. Hmm. I am really intrigued. I want to, so part of me wants to recommend Cascadia. Uh, I think that might work really well here, which is actually maybe slightly heavier than Splendor or Azul. But I'm actually going to recommend Calico. Calico is another sort of uh, tile-laying game that you, but you're only playing in your own personal player space that scales nicely from two to four players. It's adorable and cute. And it's also, I think, would be really engaging. I, I don't know. I like Calico. It's a nice puzzle game that I think would allow you to, if you, sometimes I think of like, almost teenage siblings as being a little potential fight prone and calico almost prevents that it just wouldn't it wouldn't go there but what's your recommendation jake yeah yours might be me that's funny because mine i also went heavier than splendor or azul which i think maybe you know if they're already if they're 12 and 14 year olds and they're playing Catan with their friends like i think yeah Yeah. they can do it for sure i don't i'm not worried about lightness at all yeah and my recommendation is potion explosion i think um potion explosion is like a really fun kind of a game where you are putting marbles into a potion dispenser in order to collect potions to or in order to collect ingredients the marbles uh in, in fill potions to cast spells and earn points i think it's a really fun game i think it has a good kind of toy factor as well and i i think I suspect that uh, it might kind of be a nice cross between sort of the fanciful fun of Dixit uh, and the more strategic gameplay of Catan. And it also just has like a great toy factor, uh, which I think is would make it like a fun gift for younger girls to receive. Nice. That's awesome. Which means, Jake, you get to read this next one. Which is the last one. Yeah. We may get to the very end here. And here it is. Girlfriend, my girlfriend really likes variable storytelling games, but those all seem to be horror oriented. Do you have any suggestions that give you the adventure of something like Betrayal on ha- at House on the Hill, but no horror elements? The goal would be for us to play with younger kids too. Jake, this is a really hard one because the two of us, I would say, are not super into variable storytelling games. Yeah, I this was outside of my wheelhouse and I have to tell you, I phoned a friend. Yeah, let's let's phone a friend. So I posed this question into our Decision Space Discord for for more knowledgeable folks to answer. And I think we got a perfect answer from friend of the show, 
Tony Favor. Nice. And he said, Sleeping Gods is great for an overarching story, but requires a lot of table space and rules overhead. So if those things are an issue, you might try the new Sleeping Gods Primeval Peril, which is a much shorter version, though not quite out yet. So let's set those aside. If the girlfriend has a goofy sense of humor and likes pirate theme, Forgotten Waters is a blast. And I think Forgotten Waters is my recommendation for this couple. It is a kind of a Mad Libs driven storytelling game where uh, our narrative storytelling game where you'll be uh, putting in, filling out prompts, naming your characters and going on kind of like a silly adventure with your friends. I haven't played it myself, um, but it sounds exactly like the kind of like goofy hijinks that you might be looking for. And I think especially well suited for bringing kids into as well. Nice. And I think, honestly, that's going to cover the decision space recommendation on that prompt. But Jake, can we do one bonus question to end the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Did you get a chance to look at it before I'm asking you this right off the cuff? No. Great. What would you give your dad as a gift? Oh, man. I, You know, my, my dad loves sports. I'm thinking through this. He loves yeah, sports. Yeah. He loves playing poker. Does not like playing board games with me. <laughs> So pretty explicitly. Yeah, yeah. He he likes something that has like a high toy factor though. Hmm. You know, I don't even know what this game is called. I think a game like Viking Seesaw that I played, uh, where you're kind of like trying to balance little mm. objects onto like a teeter-totter and, and try and not get it to topple over. Something like that would be a big hit. I think that might be too small. Like the production kind of didn't work for me because of how small and fiddly it was i've seen people playing this game that looks like a giant hamster wheel Hmm. where they're trying to like balance things on like inner shelves inside of it and try not get it to roll over that something like that i think would be a big hit i think my dad might game yeah or um i you know i bet my dad might really dig crokinole Oh, I was gonna. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe I should get my dad a crokinole board for for the basement or something. When he was younger, we had a foosball table and like a ping pong table in our basement, and he would just like whip me and my sister's ass at it every time. He's got like a dexterity kind of game itch. Some, That's awesome. That yeah, that he's probably been neglecting. So yeah, maybe maybe that actually gives me an honest like a good idea for a christmas gift maybe i get my mom and sister in on it and buy them like a nice one that's amazing jake's just like plotting how we can play 200 games of crocodile in the next month well i'm gonna give my answer my dad uh my dad's like a finance nerd i i would say he just loves markets they intrigue him uh and also cares about the economy and i i would love i'm sticking to the game so in this instance right i said he hasn't played a lot of games in the last 30 years so if if I was buying him a game as a gift, it'd be a game for us to play together. And I think the perfect game uh, that I would love to play with him and anyone else in my family who would put up with us is QE, quantitative easing. QE is this sort of auction game in which you are bidding with whatever you write down is your bid. But the caveat is that if you bid the most, you can't win. So you might start by the auctions going for $1,000 or $5,000. And by the end of the game, you're people at the table are building bidding $5 million uh, or something like that to try to, to win these lots. I think it would go over really well and he just find it really clever and interesting uh, and fun. So yeah, QE, a sort of lightish auction game uh, that might appeal to someone else's dad out there as well if they're into finance. Nice. And Brendan, before we close out, I want to like leave the door open. Are there any games that you think mm. like just make that are just like on your mind? Like maybe you would give this out as a gift this year or you just think are good recommendations that people listening to this show should know and consider. I have a couple, so I can go first if you if you need some time. Yeah, go first and then I'll I'll jump okay. in. Well, first, I just want to give a quick caveat that Jamie at Stonemeyer Games is a good friend of mine, but I do want to mention Wingspan as like a game that don't forget it exists this holiday season. I think it's just been a, a huge piece of introducing tons of new folks to the hobby. I think it's something that's really approachable for couples to play together. You know, I think sometimes, especially if we're like deep in this hobby, uh, we might overthink this a bit and, you know, it might be okay. Just like keep it simple. You know, if a couple maybe asked you for a board game and has shown interest in it, I think that is a one for many people, even if it might not be your very favorite game. Uh, another one I wanted to mention is sea salt and paper Mm. i think 
like such a perfect stocking stuffer size game. I think it's $12 at Miniature Market. I've been playing it a little bit at on Board Game Arena. It's a very simple card game uh, that you can just kind of play rounds of it. Um, I think it's a blast. I think it's incredibly well done and it has very striking origami uh, photography as its art. Uh, so it just looks different. It's just a really nice object. Uh, and I think that's one. It's already a game I've given out once this year. And I think it's one that I'll be giving out to other folks as well. So I think if you know someone who a World War II themed card game would not be a turnoff or would excite them, Air, Land, and Sea is an awesome little stocking stuffer type game. Uh, it's a simple card game just with less than 50 cards uh, that you play over a few rounds where you're trying to vie for control of three different districts, the air, the land, and the sea. I should call them theaters. I think that's the official term uh, in, this, in this thematic context. Uh, but air, land, and sea is great. And I think this is the kind of game Jake where I can imagine if you bought this for the right person, you could just steal away for 45 minutes and have an awesome time playing this quick little card game uh, and make a really fun memory on a holiday uh, event. I also want to mention Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon is a simple tiling game in which you're playing these little pieces that are yours across all of this, these sort of different, this archipelago, archipelago, <laughs> archipelago. I think we've it, both been struggling pronouncing things yeah. on this episode, but that's okay. That's good. That's good. An archipelago, archipelago in front of you, try to collect different things and sort of achieve these different scoring conditions. It's simple enough that you could teach it to pretty much anyone. It costs 30 bucks. Uh, I think this is another really fun game where if you had a family who liked playing games together at the holidays, but hadn't played a lot of modern board games, Blue Lagoon would be a great one to introduce to them as sort of like a check out this game. Awesome. All right. Well, I can't think of anything else. So, you know, what about like, So Clover? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's so many great games, you know, I think just one So Clover, perfect examples that are just going to be big hits for a lot of people. And then, I mean, of course, there's like classics, right? Like Ticket to Ride is an awesome gateway to the hobby. I think King Domino is an awesome gateway to the hobby. Mm. Azul is an Patchwork. awesome family game. Like, you know, these kind of evergreen games are evergreen for a reason because people are, you know, continuing to enjoy them so i think those are all good examples especially for people who might be like asking you hey you're a big board gamer what should i look at this year i think all of those are games that make sense to look at this year and probably every year moving forward for good reason um but brennan what do you say we leave it there and or why don't we say this Let's continue this conversation in our Discord. I think if people listening to this episode have a specific uh, person in their mind that we maybe didn't answer directly here, please come to the Discord and we'll ask answer. us and we'll give you our thoughts there. And even better than that, bunches of other people uh, who hang out with us in the Discord will be able to chime in and think of great games that we're neglecting to think of uh, as well. I'll also say, if you're interested in more things Decision Space, check us out on decisionspacepodcast.com. Or obviously, you know, it was mentioned in the review that we have a big backlog. There's actually 147 episodes of this show now. That's a lot. That's uh, in the next few weeks, if you have a little more free time on your hands and you want to delve into our backlog, I, I really, please do. We'd love it. Uh, and then coming up, we'll be, Jake, can you believe we're going to be covering our top, our favorite games of 2023 that we covered on the show at some point in the next four weeks? That's mind boggling. We're here that, again. That is crazy. Get your we, felt bell ready. Yeah, we have to think about that because we're covering like fewer deep dives at a certain point, but yeah. we'll figure it out. We'll figure <laughs> yeah, it out. We'll figure out. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Our year end capstone episode coming up. Also, for all of our pre-planners, know that we're going to cover uh, games like Heat, Ticket to Ride, and Planet Unknown at some point later this year and early next. Yeah, and we're, we've actually like played all those games a ton. So it's yeah. just slotting them in and getting it recorded. And then also... They're actually going to happen. They are, they are. And I want to say you can follow us on Instagram. Just search Decision Space Podcast there. And then also, thank you to Hembry for our intro and outro song, Reach Out. So yeah, that, happy holidays and don't give games to people who don't want them. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.